I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited for this episode of my podcast, Beauty Bosses. Today, we have Nina Collins, who is the founder of a website called The Wolfers for women over 40. And she's also the author of a very cool book called What Would Virginia Woolf Do? And other questions I ask myself as I attempt to age without apology. Um, which I feel like the title in itself is uh, is worthy of a conversation. So thanks for being here. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. Um, so Nina, let's start by having you tell us a little bit about um, what a wolfer is. Okay, so um, about three years ago when I was 46, I started not sleeping very well and I was having um, some hot flashes and my kids were kind of leaving home and I was feeling a little demoralized about getting older. And um, at the time I was in a graduate program and I was reading a lot of Virginia Woolf and I decided to start a closed, actually a secret at the time, Facebook group and I called it kind of darkly, what would Virginia Woolf do? The idea was to um, create a space where my friends and I could kind of chat about aging and in a kind of like self-deprecating funny way and most of my friends are like really smart feministy um, big readers and so the joke is obviously that Virginia Woolf killed herself but we're not trying to we love her but that was the joke should we just kill ourselves and not bother getting older then, Which is one one way of looking at it, but like hopefully, hopefully there's a, a happy ending that we can yes, yes, yes. Okay. I've learned we definitely it's, it's not nearly that bad. It's actually been amazing. So then the group grew and grew. It was meant to just be something for me and my friends, and um, it started. I live in Brooklyn Heights, and so it started in Brooklyn with like 50 women, and um, was really never intended to be anything more than kind of a funny lark, and it just kind of grew and became this really. Um, special place where women were like super candid about their private lives and we ended up talking about you know a lot about sex and health and relationships and books and culture um, and I started to create kind of rules and eventually we had moderators and now three years later the group has 24,000 women all over the world really and uh, and now we have a website so it's kind of and then I wrote a book so it's kind of slowly morphed into like an actual enterprise we um, I wrote the book thinking by the time I get to like 2,000 members, this group will have died down and I'll just write this kind of discreet, like, you know, discreet C-R-E-T-E, not E-E-T. Just kind of, I thought it was like an easy a project that I could do to kind of justify spending so much time on Facebook. Um, a but discreet then, project about a discreet topic. Exactly. Like I thought, because well, basically I was spending so much time online and I thought, what am I going to, but I didn't think at the time in the beginning this would ever really get bigger. But at the same time, it was very compelling, and I couldn't really walk away from it. So I wrote a book as kind of a a way to, to move along with this. And then by the time the book was done, the group was much bigger. It was like 8,000 members. Anyways, it's just continued to grow. So now we have a website. The reason it's called The Wolfer is um, that that's what women started calling themselves. So women in the group all over the country have become friends, and we have live events, and um, a lot of women have formed really good friendships, and they started calling themselves wolfers. And then when we started to think about really trying to turn it into a business, you can't really call a business, what would Virginia Woolf do? It's too long, it's too confusing, even though I still find it really funny. So that's kind of the evolution of the name. And now we have a podcast called 
Raging Gracefully, which I think is super funny. That's very funny. Um, <laughs> I like how you just kind of integrated all these, you know, puns and yeah, I mean, allusions we have, to literature and everything you do. Yeah, I mean, we might have a little bit of a branding issue. We have too many names. We're trying to sort that out. But we really, we, the, the, the truth is about this whole endeavor, it's been very, very organic. And it's really just been kind of me and my friends having a really good time. So, um, Someone recently said to me, you have to decide soon whether this is a club or a business and behave accordingly. And we are trying to make that shift into really making it a business. Um, but yeah, the names, we love the names. So we have lots of them. <laughs> okay, well, since you, since you brought up kind of the more from a club to a business, what is sort of the business mission of the Wolfers? So the mission of the whole enterprise from the very beginning was really about kind of debunking shame. It was like, we're getting older and we have nothing to be ashamed about and we should be able to be honest about things like getting Botox and back fat and vaginal dryness and erectile dysfunction and hating our teenage children. Like we should be able to be honest about the things that are really hard about being women of a certain age um, and to kind of celebrate and really see. I mean, one of the things the group has really helped all of us very much including me with is kind of seeing all the wisdom and you know incredible talent among us the women in the group are super smart and interesting and we've all given each other so much so so that's really the mission of the overall project is just to kind of create a space for women over 40 to be able to be candid and to learn um, there's a lot that isn't talked about about aging and a lot of even I always say when I'm on like doing these, these kind of interviews, like even I have a doctor I love, an internist who's my age and um, a woman doctor, but she was not very helpful when I went to her having hot flashes. Like people don't, you know, she like offered to give me the pill and kind of people don't, doctors really don't talk enough about all this menopause and aging stuff. And in the group, we've really, I mean, we often, you know, we say we're not doctors obviously, but we are all giving each other a huge amount of medical advice that's been really helpful because the women are very resourceful. So. The idea is a place where women can be honest about aging in a kind of funny, smart, resourceful, self-deprecating way. And um, and the idea behind the business is kind of an ambitious, like multi-faceted, multi-channeled platform, you know, a website and a podcast and events and a newsletter and you know, maybe hopefully one day we'll do some sort of television development thing. And So it's kind of know. a media company in It's a, a media company. It's like Vice in theory, you know, it's like company for women over 40. Awesome. Did you ever read You're Too Young, but, you know, more magazine has gone out of business. It's that space for sure, but uh, definitely edgier. Okay. That's very cool. Yeah. So, um, I really like Virginia Woolf, and I was, you know, I'm a reformed ex-English major. Oh, cool. But um, for those of our listeners who don't know that much about Virginia Woolf, tell us a little bit about why she was important to you and why she kind of has become emblematic of this whole yeah, mission. Yeah, that's a good question. So Virginia Woolf obviously is a you know, renowned modernist writer, very, very smart. Um, she had an interesting personal life. Right? She had an interesting, she was very, um, I don't know how much to, she, I guess one of the reasons we find her so interesting is she was definitely kind of iconoclastic. Her mother died when she was young, like my mother died, so I think I related to her in that way. And she wrote a really wonderful book on illness. I did a master's in something called narrative medicine and really loved her book about her mother. I think it was named Julia Stevens. Um, I also loved the Mrs. Ramsey character into the lighthouse. And of course, we all love Mrs. Dalloway. So, you know, this idea of a woman who is questioning her role in the world and in her family and 
being able to really delve into my favorite Virginia Woolf book is Moments of Being, which is um, a collection of her nonfiction writing. I also love, of course, A Room of One's Own. I mean, you can there's so many reflections in the group off of Virginia Woolf. So, A Room of One, A Room of One's Own is her great kind of classic feminist text, obviously that most of us read in college, and um, you know where she argues that because of the patriarchy and you know sexism you know women have to have a space of their own in order to create and obviously the Facebook group and the whole enterprise is kind of a room of our own for women over 40 so there's that and you know then I mean if you look at Mrs. Dalloway and um, you know a lot of the women in the group talk a lot about psychic and emotional pain and depression and mental illness which Virginia Woolf obviously had a lot of um, so being able to be honest about those struggles and then we talk about, you know, then I'm thinking about Virginia Woolf's sister, Vanessa Bell, who was, I think it's obviously known, right, that she was gay, but I'm not sure, if, I don't think she ever got married, I don't know. Um, but there's a lot of really honest talk about sexuality in the group. So some people have criticized me, of course, we occasionally get people in the group who are like Virginia Woolf scholars, mm -hmm. and they join the group because they see the name, and then we've had a few moments where they get really offended. They're like, Virginia Woolf wouldn't talk about vibrators, you know, because we are talking about all sorts of stuff in the group. And you know, they like wander in the group and they're like, what the fuck, this is totally sacrilegious. And so, you know, I have a note at the beginning of the book where I say, I kind of explain that the title is a joke, but I honestly think that Virginia Woolf would probably approve of what we do. It's all about women really digging deep and self-reflecting and understanding their lives and trying to make sense of their lives. And um, I can't imagine she would actually be offended by that. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think if she were put in 2018, she'd be the 2018 <laughs> version of herself, I, right? I would think yeah. so. Yeah. And we certainly adore her. We post when it's her birthday. We post pictures of her houses. Of, you know, She's definitely the the, you know, the patron saint of the group. Although sometimes we joke we could have also called ourselves, like, what would Helen Mirren do? Or what would, you know, occasionally we we have a, on our Instagram, we have a thing going on honorary wolfers, you know, so we think about women who kind of epitomize our ethos. You know, it's people like Frances McDormand, or, I mean, there's so many women who we admire in that way. But, That's awesome. Yeah. What do you think it is about the age 40 that makes it such a like clear bright line for so many people you know I don't know and sometimes I think so I'm 49 and I'd say the average age in our group is around 52 to 54 um, and that's probably because most of my friends are slightly older like you I had a lot of kids really young so most of my friends are a little older than I am because most people in New York don't have kids that young and you make friends with um, the parents of your kids um, but, but I like friends. that because then you almost feel like you're getting a sneak peek into the future. You totally right? do. It's, it's really like being great. a little kid and hanging no, out with the really, older kids. It's They're really cooler great. and they know more about life. Yeah, <laughs> it's really great. So, you know, we chose 40, you know, I chose it kind of arbitrarily, I guess, because for me, that was when I felt like things started to shift. I mean, my I had kids so young, so my kids were in their late teenage years by the time I was 40, 42. But, you know, our group, it could be for women over 45. I think it. I think 50 is too old. I think we're trying to talk about that moment when things start to change. Like I started to go through perimenopause. I didn't realize it till I was 46, but it really started when I was around 44. And I was a little young. I'm now fully in menopause, and I'm only 49. So obviously, for every woman, it's different. We get women who join the group who have early onset perimenopause, and they're sometimes in their 30s. We don't allow a lot of them in. But if you're menopausal, you can join the group at any age. <laughs>
Okay. So, you know, I think 40 to 45. I actually have friends in their early 40s who aren't in the group, and pretty much every woman I know is in the group. And then I have these, like, small couple friends here and there who aren't in it because they think they're too young, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's sort They'll of the there. mindset of 40. It's the, like, it's yeah. not literally 40. It's the, like... You know, the, yeah, it's all the, the stuff that comes of, with it. It's yeah. the it's the first divorce. It's the empty nest. It's the staggering periods. It's the Botox. It's all the stuff that kind of comes with saying I'm not young anymore. Yeah. So how do you how do you kind of reconcile the idea that you are obviously an intelligent, articulate woman of substance with the idea that you know you and so many people in the Wolfers group are embarking on beauty routines and things that are like Botox mm -hmm. um, or, you know, plastic, the realm of plastic yeah, the surgery. Realm of, like, because yeah. this is something that I'm asking you this question because I'm asked this question a lot and yeah. I have my own answers, but I'm dying to hear what you have to say. How do you reconcile yeah. being a woman of substance and caring about your looks? We talk about it, obviously, a lot. And the women in our group... Um, I don't know why this popped into my head, but like the most popular group, it popular car, it seems in our group is the Subaru, which is kind of surprising and interesting. Like okay. we're all over the map, um, geographically, financially, racially. The kind of common denominator in our group, I'd say, is that the women are very well educated. So I think the Subaru is a funny reflection on kind of who we are, and it, I, I bring it up because it speaks to the. We have a lot of women on the beauty issue on both sides of the fence. We have women who would never do anything and think it's kind of appalling to waste money on cosmetic treatments and to be so superficial. And um, and then we have a lot of women who fully embrace it and get plastic surgery and are you know getting regular facials and microderm and and all the rest. We talk about you know, we have facelift threads that can sometimes get a little. We are rarely too judgmental in the group, but everyone is very opinionated. So it's really all over the map. And and I struggle with this issue a lot and have written about it. I mean, I've been doing, my mother always had me get facials when I was young. And um, my whole life I've been doing, and the way I kind of describe it in my book is I'm kind of middle of the road. I have friends who do a lot more than I do and friends who do a lot less. So I've been getting Botox since I was 37. I've had like microderm and various things, but I, I do feel really ambivalent about it, mostly because I feel like, well, for a number of reasons, I feel like it's it feels fundamentally to me kind of anti-feminist to feel like I have to do these things. Like I just feel, why should I feel this way? The men I know don't do these things and I should be able to fully embrace how I look. I also feel, even though I'm definitely privileged financially, I feel like it's gross to spend money, so much money on these things when I could be spending it on other things. So I always feel slightly ashamed of myself when I do it. Um, on the other hand, I feel like as a woman in this culture, um, we're at a disadvantage. It is a patriarchy. We should feel, for a number of reasons, A, we should just do whatever we want to do to feel good. Like mm -hmm. no one should feel ashamed of doing whatever she wants. I could care less if my best friend has a boob job or, you know, whatever. She should do what she wants. It's up to her. It's her body. Yeah. Um, and also there's incredible technology now and we can do all these things. And if you can afford it and you want to do it and it makes you feel better about yourself, you should. Um, I think it's very personal. So the way I feel conflicted about it, I really don't feel judgy about it with anyone else. Um, but I do find my own conflict about it kind of funny, like, because then I do it anyway, right? I, so I kind of halfway do it. I have this, I'm constantly negotiating with myself about Botox. I like kind of 
kind of pretend I don't really do it, but I do do it. I do it every three or four months. <laughs> and then I'll try and like go without it. And then I feel like my face doesn't look great. And then I go back and it's a little like I used to, I've been off for about 10 years in my life. I was on Prozac and I've been off it for like six years or seven years. But for those 10 years, I really needed Prozac, but I was super ambivalent and I would like feel better and go off it. And then my psychopharmacologist would be like, you're depressed again. And that's because you're not taking your Prozac. And then I would go back on it. And um, so I have a little bit of that relationship with all this stuff. I don't think I would ever do any kind of surgery just because I've had like five or six, you know, GYN type surgeries for cysts and, you know, C-sections and surgery is so horrible. So the idea to me and scarring, I don't think I would ever submit to surgery, you know, electively cosmetic, but I certainly wonder if I should start doing more things like microneedling or, you know, there's so many treatments I don't do. I once had filler, but that was years ago. I probably didn't need it. Um, so anyway, I'm sure I'll do more of these things and I'll continue to feel kind of ambivalent. Also, the other thing that I worry about is there's definitely that like overdoing it or getting it done badly problem, yeah. which is such a problem. Yeah. And when I first started doing Botox, I, I had lunch with a friend of mine. I was like 40, 38, 39, I don't know. And I sat down and this friend Jennifer said to me, first thing she said, she hadn't seen me in like six months and she was like, you're overdoing it on the Botox. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm so, uh -oh. I was so embarrassed. If you walk into the room so. with, your, with your smooth forehead first, then maybe you have a yeah. situation. So, you know, and you definitely see people where it doesn't look good and they shouldn't do anything. So, I don't know. And I feel the same way about beauty products. Like I have friends who don't use anything. They use like Dove and I think they look just as good as anyone else I know. Yeah. I think it's so interesting how it's such an individualized relationship that people have with that whole world of um, yeah. aesthetics. So um, what does beauty mean to you kind of in a broader sense? Oh, that's a hard question. I mean, my first thought when you asked it was some sort of basically like interior kind of internal sense of peace and contentment and happiness with where one is. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then superficially, you know, I think it means, I mean, it's funny. It's a funny question because actually when I think about it, my, my instinct goes toward natural. I think about someone who just feels good in who she is with nothing. I think of someone in nature, Yeah. you know, someone who feels beautiful waking up in the country by a stream. So yeah. there's no makeup. And I also am not a makeup person. I didn't grow up wearing makeup. And now I feel like I should start wearing makeup because I'm getting older and I just feel like it would make me look better. And I totally go back and forth on that all the time. Like, I don't like the idea of all this stuff on my face. Then I put it on and then I think, oh, does this make me look older actually? Is it better to just not wear anything? So I'm conflicted. Not, okay. not, yeah, that yeah, any, yeah. not that any of this keeps me up at night much. I don't think about it that much, but I am conflicted. Okay, let's switch gears um, kind of for this last segment of um, our podcast and talk a little bit about your career-related journey um, because I'm very interested in how you got to the point of um, starting this community and, you know, media company, business, all of that. And you touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, in terms of your um your professional background what are some of the experiences that set you up for success in running a big group like this sure i am um, i right out of school i went to barnard um at all women's school in new york and graduated early i went to high school or college early i was like 16 and right out of school i went to work in book publishing and i worked for a um 
a woman who ran a scouting company working for European publishers and film companies. And I worked for her for three years as a scout, and then I worked at a publishing house for a year, and then I started my own scouting company. So I've only, I've really very rarely in my life worked for anyone else. I've been very entrepreneurial. So I had my own company all through my 20s called Nina Collins Associates, where I represented big European publishers and film companies like Scott Rudin and Bertelsmann in Germany, and reported to them on the American book market. So helping them find books that would be translated into German, Italian, Dutch, or made into movies. So I did that till I was about 29, and then I took a couple years off and I started a literary agency. So I've had two different businesses in my 20s and 30s, both in publishing, and then, um, and then I started writing late in my 30s. I sold my agency and became a writer and then got a master's degree in narrative medicine, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've kind of had this, like a lot of women, kind of circuitous career path, but it's always been entrepreneurial and it's always been kind of in, in the realm of media. And I've always been very, very interested personally in women's lives. I only read books by women, which is kind of weird. Oh, that's so interesting. But I've always only read books by women. I mean, not like as a hard and fast rule, I would read a book by a man. I'm just not interested in them. It's weird. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of an example of a man I've read. I like Richard Ford, actually. I liked Independence Day. But yeah, I hardly ever read books by men. And um, like when I mentor, when I volunteer, it's always with young girls. I just really, really like women's stories. And then I also, in my 30s, when I went to graduate school, I also got a life coaching certificate. So I was playing with the idea for a while of becoming like a divorce coach or a, a death and dying coach. I um, consulted in the hospital for a couple of years in like, the area of palliative care and end of life. So I guess the answer is it's, and one of the reasons I keep going with this Virginia Woolf thing is it's been a very, as I said earlier, kind of organic process, but also a real coming together of all of my interests. Like I'm back kind of in book publishing in a certain way, and I'm now editing this website, and I'm... Um, the whole end of life transition loss coaching component is very much a part of what we do in the group, and yeah, it's been so a, all these little all these little kind of threads you have found come your together. perfect yeah, self. it's been really bizarre actually, and it feels so like kind of magical. So I don't, I just feel like I just have to keep writing it out. One thing I really admire about what you have done is that you've created a space where nothing really was. You kind of created a little bit of. Um, a genre, and you mentioned that Moore Magazine had had this role in this space before, but what you're doing is a little bit different. So yeah. my question for you is, what advice do you have for young people who are interested in kind of creating something um, that doesn't really exist yet? It's funny, just before I was having lunch somewhere and a woman I vaguely know, a writer in her 30s, came up to me and said that she's creating something similar to Virginia Woolf for younger women and she wanted to meet with me to pick my brain. And I really don't, I just wrote a piece that's coming out this week uh, for She Knows on this issue of like influencer and personal branding. Until really this year, I never would have thought I'd know anything about these subjects. Like I've never thought yeah. about marketing, I've never thought about branding. Um, Honestly, I think I would say, like, just really be super honest with yourself and who you are. I mean, I, I guess a few things stick out. I really do love these women. Like, when I meet them in person, I love 
who they are and what they're saying and the way they connect with each other. And it, it really has been very moving. And so I think that genuine interest in the subject matter, like I don't think about what I post in the group. I just post when I feel like it. There's like no strategy involved. I mean, now we're trying to impose some strategy on growing it as a business, but the actual heart of it is just very... It's just been incredibly easy. Is it still a secret group? No, or just now, a private. Now group? it's closed, it's so closed you have to ask group. to okay. join. You ask answer a couple questions, and that's a little tricky because, of course, we're trying to get bigger. So we have this closed group, and we we like the privacy of the community. But now we have this website, and I think women think they're not supposed to share stuff on the website, but in fact, we want we need the website to grow for the whole enterprise to work. So there's a it's an interesting challenge because the heart of the project is about community. So now it's kind of about community and content. Um, but so I'd say for doing something that hasn't been done before, I don't know. You just, you know, I guess I was like very ambitious and kind of successful in my, when I was like in my 20s. And, and then I, and then in my 30s, I felt very kind of lost professionally. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And this has been an interesting reawakening for me of feeling like ambitious. And I think it's fascinating how much it has it has just really truly come from what interests me and that's a hard thing to believe in right do what you love you know follow your whatever yeah. <laughs> like I, I fell into this and I am still like amazed every day that it, it goes on like it's just so funny to me that, that we've created you know it's not just me really all these women we've created this thing together and the women who run it with me and like it's just been a crazy experience for all of us so it's kind of funny well, that's awesome. Yeah. Do you think that having it be a private group um, has added to the mystique and aura of wanting to be part of it? Like yeah. that Groucho Marx line? I think so. And, and actually some of that is, again, also really genuine. Like while we don't want to be exclusive and we don't want to be um, exclusionary, we also really do want it to be like-minded women because it wouldn't work otherwise. So it's not the kind of thing, while the larger concept, the Wolfer for women over 40 should appeal to a lot of people. The content of our conversation in the community, I, I don't know how mainstream it can get. It's a little bit of a tricky question. You know, I mean, certainly there are millions and millions of really smart women out there yeah, totally. for whom this would appeal, but it does have to be a little bit, it's not for everyone. So women join and leave. You know, they get freaked out. They don't like what we're talking about. <laughs> it's too real. <laughs> yeah. um, well, this has been so awesome. I feel like I could talk to you all day. You're this so really interesting. Fun. And um, and I, I think these are such important topics. So everybody go check out the Wolfers and what would Virginia Woolf do? Thank you. Answer that question for yourselves while you're at it. And um, thank you so much for being here, Nina. Thank you. Super fun.